Hour number two of Sports Talk begins. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. And a little bit later this hour, we will catch up with Bob Yarbrough for a quick news update from our sister station, News Talk 98.7. But right now, we go to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline for one of the hardest working men in show business. That would be the one, the only Vince Ferrara, just back from Dana White's private island where he got one heck of a tan since there was no MMA activity this past weekend. Vince, how are you? <laughs> I am good. It was not Fight Island while I was there, but it was a good time. <laughs> That's right. It was. Uh, SPF Island. Um, <laughs> you have been uh, awfully busy and uh, love the uh, the three from V, the questions that you get with each interview subject as to, uh, let's see, where are they doing the interview? Is there a dog in the house? And uh, last time they were in Knoxville. But uh, what has it been like to catch up with a handful of folks as you have over this past week? It has been really neat, and, you know, you want to do something fun with those and put your own stamp on it, and um, I appreciate all of those from Tony Rassiopi, Jerry Garantano's private quarterback coach, to Barton Simmons from 24-7 Sports and CBS last week, and uh, also Steve Weiss for the NFL Network, and have some more planned for our draft coverage on uh, on 991, the sports animal, as well. So got some some good things cooking this week uh, uh, that uh, that we'll get to you guys later. But um, it's been good. I think a lot of people have been pretty relaxed in that setting where I'm doing both video and audio and able to bring the audio, obviously, for you guys in the station and then the video that we put up on our website and our social media platforms. Uh, people are, seem to be very relaxed and uh, I think it's been enjoyable for you know for them. They've seemed to have a good time with it, and they've all played along well with my three for V fun questions that I put up on the dry erase board for people to see and for them to see through the camera on video. And John, as you know, the number two was is there a dog that could join us? And you know I love dogs. I am over though with our guest and having someone be able to bring in a, a dog to join us on uh, on the uh, video uh, interview. So I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to get that done, and <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be screenshotted and shared whenever it does happen. It'll be fun. And then also I, I think the Knoxville thing is cool too. Some interesting stories like Steve Weiss mentioning, uh, you know, last week the the – you know, the time he came to Knoxville. I know you guys haven't played that second part of it, too, so I'm going to hold that one back uh, on what he said. But he gave a great answer as to the last time he was in Knoxville. So uh, just uh, just a lot of fun. Appreciate their time, and we're going to continue to do those while we're in the quarantine world. Vince, I was particularly interested in Tony Rassiope. He is Jerry Garantano's quarterback's coach. And, and now Tony makes Jared sound like the, the Heisman Trophy winner. However, he, he's very optimistic that, that Garantano can be a really effective college quarterback. Uh, give me your take on, on Tony's take of, of Garrett, Garantano. Well, he's, like you said, he was very optimistic. I'll say this. He always gives me, when we're talking about it, some specific things that, that they are working on together. And one of the things, the, the things he mentioned that they were working on before everyone was told to go home and, and social distance was not trying to throw the ball as hard as you can on every throw. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they were working on before they had to cut their, their visit short. 
another thing was he really believes in a second year for Garantano under Jim Chaney. And, and any offensive coordinator, you're going to benefit knowing what they expect, knowing what the checks are, uh, all those different things and what they're looking for in their progressions. He mentioned that, hey, you know, some coaches want you to, to do this, this, and this in your progressions, and others will want you to do this, this, and this. And, and, and that takes time. And, I, you know, I wonder if maybe there was too much on the plate of Garantano early on in trying to take that role. I'm sure he was enthusiastic about wanting the extra responsibility that it doesn't seem like he had prior to that. So I think maybe it was it was just maybe rushing it too much considering he was working with another offensive coordinator. So that that's out the window now. Now you wonder how much that sets him back, the benefit of having a second year under Jim Chaney, not being able to work with him. But Garantino's a gym rat. He works at it. So I imagine he and the quarterbacks are – and Chris Winkie, they're doing as much as they possibly can or are allowed to to try to do their work when they're when they're they're able to. And Garantano, I'm sure, will do his own extra work. So uh, those are the biggest things that I, I took away that they're still working on that are realistic and make sense. But he's personally, and I'm sure he is, uh, admittedly is going to be a little biased because. He's known the kid for a long time and has worked with him and believes in him. And, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing to have someone of his stature share with Garantino that he believes in him because not everybody has. And he's been, you know, verbally criticized a lot. So maybe that's not the worst thing to have a big-time believer in Garantino that he can share those things with. Let's go to the phones as Jim joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. I hope you guys are uh, doing well. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, interview with uh, Dr. Mickey Allen. And uh, he said one thing that really struck me when he was talking about mentoring young people needing an audible. I think we all need audibles these days. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, I thought it was an outstanding interview, and I uh, wish him the best. You know, I wanted to uh, just ask you guys, uh, uh, the prospect of a college football season, uh, whether we're going to have one or or what kind of one we might have, obviously nobody knows what's going to happen at this point. And I've heard different scenarios. I've heard the possibility of a season that would start later, it wouldn't start in September. It might start in October. Or it may, may start in November. Or I've heard uh, maybe a reduced schedule, maybe just a conference schedule, so you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to play, you know, twelve games. I've also heard of one that would have a spring schedule that you would start like in February. Which just I don't I, that one just blows my mind. Of the various things you guys have heard, what what do you think might make or could make the most sense? And again, I we don't have the, the facts of where we are. We don't know if fans would be able to go or how many or anything like that. But are there any scenarios that? 
that give you a higher degree of of a maybe we could do that or some scenarios that you just kind of shake your head and say there's no way. Vince? Well, I, I don't get in that category of shake your head and there's no way. The the only thing that would might fall in that category, and it's not one of the scenarios you mentioned, but it's one that other people have talked about, and that's football without fans in the stands. And that's something that I thought was one of the a really notable thing from John and Jimmy's interview yesterday with Lane Kiffin. And they, he shut that down and he said, it's a waste of time to talk about. When you think about the roster sizes plus all of the other personnel it takes to execute those games and then broadcast uh, and, and all that, uh, there are hundreds of people there. And so we're, you know, who knows if we're, if they're not going to have fans in the stands and there's uh, social distancing and that's not safe to that extent, then, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point to uh, that you're going to try to do it with that that many people. So I don't think that's a, a likely scenario at all. But out of the other three, I, I wouldn't put any of those in that category. I would say probably the middle one with a reduced type of season, uh, if you're going to split up the pie into percentages, it's probably very close. Um, but I, I would say that would probably be the highest, I would say, by a nose. But I, I can't rule out an earlier start. And gosh, if if it starts getting complicated, or if it's much much worse in some parts of the country than others, and you know they want to hold on to their TV dollars, and they'd be able to, you know, still uh, put it, keep, maximize everything, and have a full season in February, and uh, they thought they got past maybe a second wave of the uh, of the virus, then then I wouldn't rule that out in the spring. But you're right, that would be a very weird circumstance and it would we were we'd be in a tough spot to wait that long for uh for football uh to uh to come our way you know the the saddest thing about this i mean all the power five schools have quote a cupcake or two on their schedule but those cupcakes really need those games against the power five schools for their budgets and that's the scariest thing that uh, as bad as it'll be for the Power Five schools, it's going to be even worse for these for the smaller schools that depend on those dollars so much to uh, you know have have an athletic department that's going to be functional. And I don't know how a lot of these things are going to survive. And you guys mentioned Cincinnati dropping soccer already, and Cincinnati I, I would have thought wouldn't have made that decision already. But uh, it's scary that the uh, amount of uh, non-revenue sports uh, may be cut immensely, and that that's a sad part of this whole thing. Hey, Jim, well, guys, let me I touch pre- on something there, because I, I mentioned this earlier when I saw where somebody said, well, if the SEC plays, just play all your conference games only. Well, now, wait a minute. Maybe Georgia State wants to play. Uh, maybe Charlotte against Alabama. Maybe Charlotte wants to play Tennessee, or maybe Furman wants to play him to get that money. Mm-hmm. So if there is a, if we do play, if we play, then let's see if those schools want to play the Tennessees or the Alabamas or the whoever of the world. Because what you said, they need the, they need as much money as they can get. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't just automatically say, well, let's just play the conference games. Okay, yeah, maybe Eastern Washington is not going to go to Florida. Okay, I get that. 
but there's still a number of non-conference games that could still be played that could benefit the coffers of some of these smaller schools. And then what do the independents do? I mean, Notre Dame has an uh, agreement with the ACC, yeah. so you know they they might be able to work that out. But there's still there's still other independents that they have to s- schedule everything on their own. So what do they do? Do they all go FCS uh, or just play each other or play each other multiple times? I mean, that could just really get get dicey there. Well, guys, no doubt we are in uncharted waters, and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Hopefully uh, hopefully, the best of what can happen will happen. Guys, I appreciate your thoughts. Stay well. You too. You Thanks, as well. Jim, you too. Always good to hear from you, Jim. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, will get a break. When we return, a quick news update from Bob Yarborough, and then more with Vince Ferrara as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. The station where winners listen and listeners win. 99.1, the sports animal. Uh, Vince, the Vols continue to find ways to add to the class of 2021. What do you think of the latest edition? Yeah, Rock Taylor, another guy that fits the mold for Jeremy Pruitt in his position versatility. See him at wide receiver, see him at tight end. The numbers would tell you that his more likely landing spot would be at tight end because of the lack of uh, of numbers and proven players there and uh, how great the 2020 uh, signing of the wide receivers is and uh, how they already have some significant numbers at that position in the 2021 class. But we'll see. You know, the the uh, the commitment class is likely to turn over. We see it every year. Uh, the guys that are, are there now, there's a percentage of them that aren't going to be there in the end, whether that's the school's choice or the player's uh, choice, and and oftentimes both. So we'll, we'll see how it turns over. But, uh, you know, another kid that in the, the, the key states in the south uh, that um, the Jeremy Pruitt's hitting and, and looking for uh, offensive playmakers and that versatility is part of what Jeremy Pruitt's looking for. We interviewed Jeremy Pruitt recently, Vince, and so much of what he said, we would ask him, what do you think of playing football without fans? He says, well, whatever they tell us to do, that's what we'll do. I'll just play by the rules. Uh, He mentioned that a a few times. And so I just wonder wonder what your take was on the interview that we had with Jeremy Pruitt recently. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw your your blog outlining on on ninety nine one the sports <laughs> animal, <laughs> outlining his lack of of opinions he wants to share. And my guess is that Jeremy Pruitt has opinions; they're just not ones that he wants to put out there. And uh, you know, I, I I get that, I understand it, but it would be interesting. Some coaches are willing to to share those, but I, I think he he welcomes those things being asked of, of Philip Fulmer instead. And we don't always get those from Philip Fulmer either, but um, you know, that, that's just, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, really get on him a whole lot about it because I think he has handled himself tremendously during this pandemic and social distancing period that, that we're experiencing much better than some others that have put their foot in their mouth. Uh, around the country. So I I think the interesting thing was when you asked him, Jimmy, about how concerned he was about freshmen playing 
with the lack of being able to work with them as normal with just the remote coaching that's going on right now. And he said, I don't think so. And basically laid out that, look, guys that that are can help us, that's the biggest thing. It's not a matter of how much you know. It's who can help us and putting the, the talent on the field. And I, I think that was noteworthy. I think that's something that the fans of Harrison Bailey playing quickly would be one that would take note in that and feel better about that because we've talked a lot about it. You would think that – Bailey is he is getting he's one of the guys that is suffering right now and and has more of a setback because he can't get out there and work with those receivers on the field and and take advantage of being an early enrollee in the spring so but you know to uh, to me Jeremy Pruitt he feels comfortable with where some of those freshmen he has in the class and if those guys do work do those mental reps and and know what they're doing when they get on the field, they should be able to to take advantage of it. And it's not like just the freshmen aren't being able, aren't able to get out on the field. Nobody is right now. So they should still, if they're doing their work and, and studying right now, they should still be able to, uh, you know, to get some things done. And I thought that was noteworthy from your conversation. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, like I mentioned, he's one that just seems very, very relaxed and content and understanding of where, what the big picture is and where the, where his team falls. And he clearly, like he, he told you guys, I think it was a question John had asked, I miss my team. I miss my staff. And, um, and I think that goes back to the relationship building that he did a better job of in year two and got the results from it when he admittedly didn't do as good a job of it in year one. So now you have your, those relationships built. You're spending more time on it. Now you crave being able to continue that. And I think it's a good sign for him to, to feel that way and to miss that because I think he, he found out that in year two, that relationship building, although not tangible in anything that you can put on paper or on film, it was pretty valuable and it paid dividends for, for Tennessee last year. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. That's how you join Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline is Vince Ferrara. If you have a question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. It's Tuesday, which means everybody knows this is In the Cage Eve so, Vince, what can we look forward to tomorrow night at 8 o'clock? 
We're going to catch up with Hot Sauce, Scott Holtzman, Central grad, John. Uh, he will join us and we'll check in with him to see how he's handling the quarantine life and what he's able to do right now. He was one of those that put his hand up and said, hey, I'm ready to fight, Dana. If you're putting cards together and you need somebody to fight during these periods, I'll do it. And obviously they didn't play out that way. So uh, we'll uh, we'll visit with, with Hot Sauce and see what's going on with him. Also, Phil Murphy from ESPN will join us. He he does sports centers internationally, uh, which is really cool. Obviously, he's doing that from his home right now, but he is a sports center anchor internationally and is, in addition to covering the fight sports, covers some baseball, does an awful lot of things as a reporter host and anchor for ESPN. So Phil Murphy will join us to, to talk about UFC not able to pull off all the 249 on April 18th and uh, what's next for them. And we'll also talk about some fights that we'd like to see happen. So, you know, yeah, a lot of it's reaction to what has been happening with, with COVID-19, but we'll have some fun too, both with, uh, with Phil and, and also uh, with Tim Loy, my co-host, and I, just trying to matchmake, put some fun fights together. Just talk about what we'd like to see in the sport when it does come back. Uh, I think we're gonna they're gonna see the the great fights hot and heavy when it does come back. So we'll get into all of that and more coming up uh, Wednesday night from eight until nine here on ninety nine point one the Sports Channel. So Fight Island did not take place, but do you imagine that as it returns first, it will be in an empty arena? Yes, I think so. That's that's how Dana White's going to be able to achieve what he still claims he's going to, and that's to be the first sport that returns. And th- doing that, the island will allow them to be able to bring in the international fighters and uh, also you know, keep the, the fighters safe there. And so I, I think he'll have testing. I think he'll have an empty arena. And you know, I, I think he's going to be able to pull, pull that off and being the first sport back. Kind of their timetable, it sounds like, is sometime in May. Uh, I think some of the regional organizations are, are looking at May as well. As Bob Yarborough mentioned with you, some of that, the plan to return to business is opening the doors for the the planning tentatively of, of coming back. So I think May in a, in, a, in a perfect scenario is where you could see not only the UFC return, but also the regional organizations like Valor Fighting Challenge that's based here in Knoxville and other regional ones uh, across the country. Obviously, you'd have to continue in a, in a positive direction and not have any setbacks, but we could see the sport back with Dana White uh, and, you know, on the island and in other regional organizations and, and smaller empty venues coming back perhaps as early as May. You uh you you did put together and we were happy to share it with our listeners a, a good conversation with Barton Simmons. What stood out most to you? What were you most anxious to talk to him about? Well, his opinion on the UT guys. I, I thought when you know I asked him some of the guys that he thinks could be early impact guys. He knows them so well from the recruiting process. 
he still is also a college football analyst for 24-7 sports and CBS Sports. So I knew he'd have a, a, a great feeling for who he thinks could be an early impact player for UT. And some of the names he mentioned were Tyler Barron and Morin, uh, Morvin Joseph um, on that D-line, Amari Thomas, who you know he thinks could – play on the offensive line as well. Also mentioned a couple of wide receivers in Jalen Hyatt and Jimmy Calloway. I thought those were some interesting names. His thinking behind some of those uh, defensive linemen slash outside linebackers were guys that could get after the quarterback because Tennessee is losing uh, their top sack man in, in Daryl Taylor. Uh, so it's going to be a neat position with opportunities there with just young guys that haven't had either a ton of productivity or a ton of snaps in games to this point. So I, I agree with that, uh, with that position uh, with those guys. Callaway is interesting uh, in that, you know, he's uh, he's one that is skilled and versatile, and you could see him and try to find different ways to get him the ball Hyatt has terrific speed. Those are all things that this offense needs more of, and that's playmakers, guys that can make things happen after the catch with explosiveness. We saw Jennings be able to do it in a different way and breaking tackles and making some big plays, but I think this offense could really use a house guy, somebody that could deliver to the end zone when you throw it just a quick out or a quick slant and could house it for you or get behind the defense uh, over the top. So uh, I those candidates make sense. And then, you know, what he said about Harrison Bailey as well and that he thinks he is uh, one of the most equipped quarterbacks in the 2020 class to be able to start as a freshman. Now, that wasn't a prediction that – Harrison Bailey is going to win the starting job, but if if he doesn't have, if this doesn't set him back uh, of not being able to uh, to practice and have the normal preparation, if anyone is both is physically and mentally ready and able to do it, he thinks it's Harrison Bailey with his maturity, with his physicality, his frame, all those kind of things, his work ethic that he thinks if anyone could do it, it's him. And, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to continue to talk about the competition that's there and why wouldn't there be competition? It's not like Garantano had an all-SEC type of year. Uh, he turned things around for the lar- in the lar- uh, uh, in, uh, for the most part in the second half, but I think it makes perfect sense to have that competition, which is healthy. And, um, and I, th- I thought that was also very encouraging for – fans that want to see Harrison Bailey of the five-star freshman start from the get-go. I thought that was uh, significant as well. As far as the NFL draft, I think we would agree that Daryl Taylor would be the first Tennessee fall off the board and then followed by Juwan Jennings. Would you agree with that? I would. I don't think, Jimmy, that this process is going great for Juwan Jennings. It's unfortunate that – you know, he, he with the setback, he wasn't able to do uh, or didn't do a, a whole lot at the combine. Didn't meet with a couple of, of teams, but uh, I think this is a period of time where, where with all the questions that teams have, and believe me, the NFL not only has the questions, they have the answers as well. So, 
I think there's a difference between just doing a Zoom video or whatever and talking to a guy and seeing his mannerisms face to face. I think that it's 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 tough for him that he's not able to try to make teams feel better uh, about the questions that they have for him and how he answers. So I think that kind of is is looming there for him. And, look, somebody's going to love him. And Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl has talked about it. A number of, of analysts have talked about it. They don't care about his 40 time. He's going to make plays. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that they're with the state of the league and the way they're having to execute it. I think some of those guys that have those questions, there's going to be teams that don't have them on their board at all. So from a number standpoint, I think it's there. there's a, a more likely scenario that he's a guy that slips uh, because of the, those questions. Maybe the one team, the, the teams that really love him, they'll make that decision to go his way. Sometimes you don't go where you intend to go because of the players that are on the board, and then you just have to hope that he's there later on. He'll be a good value for someone in the late rounds, though. Do you think Batuli will be the third player from Tennessee drafted? Uh, I'm not 100% on that, Jimmy. I, I think you feel that way. Uh, it's either it's either him or Callaway. I, you know, uh, Nigel Warrior is a guy that you can make a case for as well. Somebody may take a chance on him because of the senior tape and because of his dad, and whether it's relationships that they had with his dad or, or just feeling that family lineage that they could have him continue his rise and improvement. But it is encouraging for him that he, he was able to develop as a senior despite not living up to his potential prior to that. So he's one I wouldn't rule out. It's either Callaway or or Batuli for me, one one of those two. But I, I think both have some intriguing traits. I think a Batuli for a team that plays big linebackers like the Baltimore Ravens, some teams really still have, still like those big uh, linebackers, even if they're two-down linebackers. Uh, I think there are some teams that he would would be a good fit for, plus – he has great special teams value as well. So it's either Batuli or Callaway as the, the third player. So how many balls end up getting drafted? Would you say three, four, five? What would your number be? I'd probably say three because I think it'll it'll either be Batuli or Callaway. I think more than likely the numbers will play out to where uh, you'll have a number of those as undrafted free agents. I think all of those guys, Dom Wood Anderson is another one that I, I think some teams will give a look at. Uh, but, uh, yeah, though I, I think it will be pretty much split to where they'll have three drafted and then, you know, at least three as undrafted free agents. That's Vince Ferrara with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. A final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk is next on 99.1 The Sports Animal. We work all day under a neon Budweiser sign. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. From the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, we are Sports Radio WNML.
final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline. And, Vince, as we get closer, ever closer to the NFL draft, what do you think might be some of the best fits for someone like Daryl Taylor? Well, it's interesting. I think that he is best as a 4-3 defensive end. I think he gets after the quarterback with more success when he puts his hand down. Maybe Jimmy uh, and you, John, would disagree with it, but I I think he was more successful in those roles than he was in a stand-up role. I think he has more explosiveness when he's got his hand down and rushing off the edge, and maybe that's just the circumstance. But uh, the the teams before the social distancing happened and he stopped uh, being able to meet with teams, the two teams that – he met with were the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers from what uh, I've heard. And those are three, four teams. So I think there's still interest in, uh, by those teams in him as uh, a stand-up outside linebacker. I think he can do it. And I think he'll have opportunities for both. But uh, if you're looking for four, three teams that I think he would be the best fit for, you know, the San Diego, excuse me, the San Diego Chargers, the LA Chargers, Please go back to the dark helmets, thank you. Uh, the Jacksonville yes. Jaguars, <laughs> uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so many of these teams I'm, I've mentioned are tweaking their look and they're really not accomplishing anything, which is very disappointing. Um, the the Cowboys, the Vikings, the the Ravens. Ravens kind of use a, a buck backer, which uh, still gets after the quarterback a lot and the Bengals, I've probably seen the Vikings as much as anything in some of the mock drafts for Daryl Taylor. I do think that would be a a good fit. Another thing I'm looking for in trying to match team needs is teams that have a need for an edge rusher, but maybe it's not their top need. Because if Taylor is going to go in the second or third round, maybe they addressed that need in er, in their first or second pick and then – they see Taylor on the board. And I thought Steve Weish in my conversation with him brought up a really good point that, hey, look, some, there's not a ton of those edge rushers in the draft, so maybe that's a way to maybe push Daryl Taylor up in the draft when teams see, hey, we, we need to get somebody now while we can. Vince, we're short on time, but I did want to ask you, what were your thoughts on the Tennessee football celebrity slash legends video? It was amazing. You talk about hitting – uh, an absolute grand slam with your recruits. I mean, recruits love famous people and celebrities, especially in sports, and they get LL Cool J and they got Peyton Manning and uh, Big Boy from Outcast and on and on and on, country artists. I mean, it was just uh, so impressive that UT was able to put put that together and show the power of it, uh, of the, the reach of UT and hilarious that Jeremy Pruitt was asked to hey, get somebody famous on, on the call. And he's like, I wouldn't even know how to. Uh, pretty honest from him, but so well done by UT and scoring big-time points in, re- in recruiting without a doubt. Vince, what's going on these days at 991thesportsanimal.com? Yeah, an awful lot. Daily content, 991thesportsanimal.com. Just go to the blog section, and you'll find blogs from myself and Jimmy and others. Uh, obviously, all the podcasts, the show pages are up there. Uh, there's so much there. Spend some time on it. Any national uh, teams, the Titans, and NASCAR, NFL, there's news from all that. So you can spend a lot of time on that. 
and uh, bookmark it and go there daily, 991thesportsanimal.com, and we'll have some more Zoom video interviews coming later on this week that people will enjoy. Vince, we look forward to that. Sure to appreciate it. Thanks, as always, for joining us on Tuesday, and we look forward to In the Cage tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Have a great week, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right, you guys do the same. Stay uh, health and safety. Pre- appreciate it. Thanks, Vince. All right. You as well. That's Vince Ferrara joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. We'll get a break. Up next, Mike Keith joins us as we talk Titans in the NFL. That's next on Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal.